Well, many of you know the movie well. It's a holiday classic about the Griswold family. Uh, it opens up with them traveling out into the country to pick the perfect Christmas tree because going to the tree lot uh, is not good enough for Clark. And so they find the tree, but of course, Clark forgot the chainsaw. So they have to dig the tree up out of the ground, load it on the station wagon and carry it back to town. They're singing carols. The kids are not that enthused about it, but it's a family outing. The tree has absolutely no chance of fitting in their living room, but Clark Griswold is on the case. He cuts the top of it off and it fits just perfectly in the living room. Both sets of grandparents show up for the holidays. Russ and Audrey, the kids have to bunk up together because hey, it's Christmas and that's what you do to make room for family. Everything is going well. One day Clark gets locked in the attic while they're going out Christmas shopping. And so he puts on some warm clothes and he turns on an old projector and he watches reruns of old Christmas movies when the kids were younger, when they were sweeter, when they were more innocent. Clark's main holiday project, if you recall, is to decorate the house with thousands of lights. He works on it, he works on it, and then when it comes time to turn them on, he invites everybody outside and he puts the thing together and they don't work. He throws a fit, kicking Santa and the reindeer all over the front yard. Ellen figures out that there's a breaker switch in the garage and so she walks in and she flips that switch and as soon as she does, the Griswold house is set aglow. You can see it for miles. You remember Aunt Bethany said, is your house on fire, Clark? That was her question. Everybody's so busy congratulating Clark on the lights that they fail to recognize that cousin Eddie and his family have pulled up in the RV as a surprise. They've come to join the family for Christmas. Now the real fun begins. It's a full-blown family party. Many things happen in the movie. They go sledding. Eddie informs Clark he has no money to buy Christmas presents. A squirrel jumps out of the second Christmas tree and gets loose in the house. Aunt Bethany shows up having wrapped her cat as a present. And many of you know how that movie plays out because you've seen it. It's one of those classic movies that's always on TV this time of year and it really never gets old, at least to me. Are you ready for Christmas? Because it's here. This is a magical time of year, but it's not necessarily an easy time of year for many people. Christmas can be hard because it reminds some people of the way life used to be when their children were growing up or their spouse was still alive. I think about my mother a lot during the Christmas season. She was a wonderful lady full of life and energy. I can remember growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, and she would always work hard to make sure that we had a wonderful Christmas. She was fun and she had many friends and, 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 and she loved to have parties and to entertain, but she suffered from deep depression. And as she got older, it got worse. And she ultimately gave up on life and it's hard to believe that she's been gone for 16 years. I ran into a friend this weekend up in Suwannee. He runs the uh, mountain outfitter store up there and 
Um, and, he, and he came up and he gave me a hug and he just lost his mother this past spring, really suddenly to cancer. And he asked me, he said, he said, Clay, tell me it gets better with time. And I said, yes, it, it gets better, but it takes time. Who have you lost that you wish you could spend Christmas with this year? After another difficult year, many people are entering the Christmas season feeling somewhat hopeless, looking for hope and longing for hope, searching for hope. And so we read these timeless words of the prophet Isaiah who foretells the birth of Christ by saying this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness on them light has shined. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How does the birth of Jesus Christ bring hope into a world that so often seems full of, of darkness and full of hurt? Christian hope is what gives us the courage to go on when terrible things happen in life, when we lose a loved one, when we go through a, a divorce, when a family member is diagnosed with cancer, when depression comes back, when a miscarriage happens, when we lose a job. It's in these situations that we need the power of hope. One of my mentors from Princeton Seminary used to say that Christian hope does not, it does not, close our eyes to the suffering of the world. Quite the opposite. Christians believe that God cherishes the world, has created and redeemed it, and wills to have abiding communion with it. So if we hope in fulfilled life after death, we cannot and should not be indifferent to suffering in life before death. Or as Jürgen Moltmann, the Reformed theologian said, those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. We can't accept some of the things that we see in this world because it's not the way God wants things to be. Poverty, racism, war, hatred, violence, these are the things that we are called to address in order to bring hope to others who are suffering. On this first Sunday of Advent, where we have now lit the hope candle, I wanna focus on four specific areas where I think we all need hope in our lives. The first might be obvious to you, but I believe that we need hope in the aftermath and even still in the face of this pandemic that has ravaged our world for 21 months. Yes, things are much better, but it's not gone. In the US alone, 775,000 people have died. They've lost their lives of the pandemic. Across the globe, 5.2 million people have lost their lives. That's a lot of loss and grief. That's a lot of empty chairs at the uh, dinner table. We've all been affected. We, we all know that we can't get through life without pain and suffering, but there have been days over the past year, year and a half, when we feel like we can't push forward. 
But getting through those difficult times with each other's help is what makes us who we are. It's what forms our character. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, we boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. As long as we have hope, we can press forward. As long as we have hope, we can face anything that life brings our way. 2 Corinthians 4. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We all have scars to show from the past few years. But when we suffer, it does make us stronger and it it gives us more empathy so that we can help other people. Sometimes there are funerals that take place during uh, the Christmas season. Uh, We gathered at St. George's Episcopal Church this week to celebrate uh, the life of Kempton's brother, James. And, And when we lose those that we love to this life, we must always remember that Christ brings us hope for eternal life. And we have faith that even death is not the end of our existence. And so we sing those beautiful carols, mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. We sing with joy in our hearts, good Christian friends, rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now we need not fear the grave, Jesus Christ was born to save, calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting all. Christ was born to save, Christ was born to save. While many people in our world may look out there and see a hopeless end, as Christians we are called to look out there and see an endless hope. The second area where we need hope this Christmas is when it comes to our families. What does that mean? It means that there is a lot of pain and brokenness in families and the holidays often have a way of bringing that out. Unsettled conflicts and disputes, tension, arguments over politics, arguments over vaccines, Divorces that still make life difficult and complicated. Family members who have offended us or hurt us with their words and their actions. Marriages that need rekindling. Grief that has not been processed or dealt with properly. Sometimes the hope that we are looking for and longing for must first start at home, in our marriages, with our kids. And Christmas is a time to do that. It's a time to forgive a time to forget, a time to heal and rekindle, to move on and to start over. There's a story told about a young mother uh, who had two small children and she got the horrible news just a few days before Christmas that her husband had been tragically killed in a car wreck. And somebody came over and said, how can we celebrate Christmas with this horrible news? But very, very quickly, the young mother said, don't turn the lights out. Don't undecorate the tree. Christmas was made for such a time as this. It is better to light a candle than to curse 
the darkness. Christ was born for such a time as this. Maybe everything in your family is great, but chances are there's probably some brokenness there, some hurt, some pain. So we need to remember that Christmas time can bring us new beginnings. It can be a time for a new start, a time to forgive, because if you can't do it at Christmas, then when can you do it? The third area that I want to talk about this morning where I think we need hope, and I, and I mean this as non-controversially as I possibly can say it, is we need hope when it comes to our nation and the way that we treat each other. That's not geared at any political party or any president. It's a statement about the entire system and how polarized it has become. You know, whether we realize it or not, the digital age has slowly turned our politics into a blood sport. It's all about the sound bites. It's all about the one-liners. It's all about defending your party at all costs. We've lost compromise. We've lost civility. We've lost bipartisanship. Some people even say, if, if you don't agree with my politics and you're evil, you're not just wrong, you're evil. How did it come to this? Parker Palmer wrote an excellent book about 10 years ago called Healing the Heart of Democracy. And drawing on the words of Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents ever, he says this, if American democracy fails, the ultimate cause will not be a foreign invasion or the power of big money or the greed and dishonesty of some elected officials or a military coup or the international communist, socialist, fascist takeover that keeps some Americans awake at night. It will happen because we, you and I, became so fearful of each other, of our differences, and of the future that we unravel the civic community on which democracy depends, losing our power to resist all that threatens it and calls it back to its highest forms. Parker Palmer wrote those words 10 years ago. A government that is of the people and by the people and for the people is always at risk if we let our divisions and our fears take over, if we let our hatred rule the day. And, and politics now causes more rifts in families and friendships than it ever has before. It's awful. What we need more than ever is more civility, more listening, more respect. What we don't need is more echo chambers and more anger. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs in the book I recommended last January says, as the moral sense is mutated from the we to the I, almost all institutions of civil society, marriage, the family, communities, congregations, houses of worship have all atrophied. Think about that. When our culture becomes focused on me and I, our community suffers. Palmer says the democratic experiment is endless unless we blow up the lab and the explosives to do the job are found within us. But guess what? So is the alchemy that can turn suffering into community. We have that in our hearts as well. We can all work to make it better. Which brings me to my last point this morning. The most important place 
that we need hope is right here, right now in our own heart. If we don't have hope in our heart, then we can't spread it to other people. If we don't believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today, then we can't live it. Now that might sound like I'm stating the obvious, but I mean it. Hope starts right here and then we go and spread it. If we don't have hope, we can't share hope. If we don't have peace, we can't share peace. If we don't have joy, we can't spread joy. Isaiah writes so beautifully, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness on them light has shined. The birth of Jesus Christ and everything that he represents is what our world needs. He is the light. He is our hope. In a world of hate and division, he teaches us to love. In a world of war and hostility, he teaches us peace. In a world of revenge and getting even, he teaches us forgiveness. In a world of greed and selfishness, he teaches us to share what we have with other people. In a world of anger and resentment, he teaches us to turn the other cheek. Jesus Christ is the remedy to so many of our problems. But the hope that he brings must first take root in each of our hearts. If the kingdom of God does not first start within our hearts, then it never starts. Or as Emily Dickinson once famously said, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. So are you ready for Christmas? Not just your tree and your decorations, Chances are those are maybe still going up, maybe they're up, but are you ready to experience the hope of Christmas in your own heart? Advent is about the coming of Christ and Jesus Christ is and will always be the hope of the world. It is on that hope that our Christian faith is founded and sustained. Christmas reminds us that God is real and God is here and nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We hear the angels, Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Let's find the hope in our heart as we begin the Advent season. Amen.